ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Chris and Andre Show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 26, right, Chris? Uh, yes, he says, shakes his head with a beer, mouthful of beer, a beer full of yeah. beer. <laughs> episode 26 of the Chris and Andre Show. I'm Andre. I'm Chris. And I'm glad that you guys joined us. Uh, it's been um, it's been kind of a week here, yeah? Oh, you're telling me, friend. <laughs> now, to be fair, it's been... Well, I guess it has been just over a week. When, when, when did we, no, we recorded last Tuesday. So it has been, yeah, yeah like a week and change since we talked. Um, but even just like since Monday, I mean, you know, and I think uh, it's just a continuing pattern of what the last four years have really been uh, like, <laughs> if we're all being honest with ourselves, like you just you can't look away because it's constant. It's the car crash that literally never ends. You know, it's right. like, like airplane or, you know, like one of like those naked gun movies where it's literally just the car rolling down the hill forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. And you want to stop watching, but you're like, it's got to stop at some point. At some point, the car has to stop rolling down the hill and it's, it's going to explode. Something exciting is going to happen. But no, we're just watching the car roll down the hill over and over and over again. It's, 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 um, it's super odd. Like I, I can't express how, um, it's super surreal where we are as a country right now and where the, just everything is, um, I just can't describe it. Um, it's indescribable. Yeah. Well put. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, I was, uh, trying to i've been trying to curb my news habits a little bit uh i caught up on a few or binge watched a few shows on netflix just because i needed a break so if you haven't watched the show hannah on amazon prime please do it's fantastic no if i'm not mistaken that's um the same basic storyline as the movie hannah right where it's the little girl who gets trained to basically be like a super badass assassin yeah, it's it's super okay. dope. Yeah that, yeah, that has been on my list for a while, but I haven't watched that one yet. Um, you know what we've watched a few episodes of that always makes me think of you is uh, that white people shit. <laughs> have, have you seen, seen that, that show? No. So I can't remember who the host is, but this this guy just goes around and does a bunch of white people shit, and like you know, it's just it's a re- like a you know funny goofy reality show. Where it's him like talking mad shit about the crazy shit that these white people do and then going out and trying to do it. And so he does like, you know, uh, cattle wrangling and goes out to like a ranch and, and learns how to ride a horse and wrangle some cattle and stuff like that. And it's, uh, it's every time he says, because the name of the show is That White People Shit. And I'm Where just, is that at? It's on Amazon. I'm definitely gonna have to check that out. Yeah, it's it's really funny. I mean, like it's you know it's pretty goofy, um, and it's definitely like I think you know parts of it are kind of scripted to be over the top, but it's pretty it's pretty hilarious. I think I think you would enjoy it. <laughs> I kept yeah. I kept meaning to text you about it, and every time I watch it, I forget because I get so caught up. In 
Yeah, that's definitely getting on the list. It's time for politics. So in in the news lately, things are just kind of you know super weird. I um, you know, we talked about the fringe group that's Fox and Friends. Yep, and Fox and Friends. Channel. Yeah, that whole channel, and I think there's become there's a lot of um like dissension and separation of what's happening at the news network itself. Um, apparently, some after the George Floyd murder like every other company, they were trying to develop their internal policies and make sure they reiterate things. And it just came out and the black staffers are, they're basically saying, you know, they created a white supremacist cell in that, that network. And they're not wrong. Um, I don't think they know what they let out of the bag when they, you know, they don't kind of have any, they don't have any, um, boundaries for Tapper, not Tapper, uh, for Tucker Carl- Carlson, who's yeah. one of the top writers got fired for being, you know, putting some low-key racist stuff out there. It wasn't um, even that low-key. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was off the radar. He put some off-the-radar stuff out there. And when things caught up with him, uh, I guess a reporter, a journalist at uh, CNN was putting the dots together. It just expose more of their they've got like this really weird subculture in that company with racism and they are feeding off of they're they're propagating fear and they're feeding off the response they get in ratings but i i think that may soon backfire yeah and i think i mean you're even starting to see a little bit of pushback like you mentioned right there are some people within the organization um that have pushed back but even some of like the hosts and stuff like that I think you almost you almost start to see, I think, some writing on the wall, right? Um, right. Where it's kind of hedging their bets and going, well, it doesn't look like Donald Trump's going to be around for much longer. So we may want to start kind of getting on the side of like, well, he's not exactly the best at this or that. Or he's not exactly telling the truth here. I mean, you know, you could interpret it that way. but Yeah. Uh, Neil Cavetto, uh, actually, he... Trump was giving his speech yesterday. I'm really disappointed that he's using the White House press briefings for, you know, campaign propaganda. It's no different than he's done at any point in the last four years. I mean, that's the whole thing is the guy has just been on a campaign for four years. Well, you're right. And that that has its place. But using the it's been very I don't know if it's written or unwritten. Uh, that rule of yeah. not using the White House for that type of stuff. Exactly. And uh, so this this host was basically like, as he was giving his speech, he was like, "And just want to let you know that he's mischaracterizing a lot of the things on Obama's record, on President Obama's record." And he did some like quick fact checking <laughs> during the speech. And I, I, you know, I commend him for doing that because I, not that I agree with everything that President Obama did in office. Um, it's not like uh, Donald has done anything. So, you know, he's the executive order president. He's not. And nobody has yet to hit me up and say, well, he, you know, he was instrumental in passing this law. He even like made a mistake yesterday and said he was going to pass a or the day before yesterday, before the Goya band, saying he was going to pass an act, a 
an immigration act. And like, you can't do that. You're. (laughs) I mean, even the executive orders that he's signed into, you know, like not not even really law because they're not they're not laws. They're they're directions more than anything. Like, hey, I want you to do this. That's literally what an executive order is. The guy doesn't get it. No, he, but he, and, I mean, the stuff that he's written doesn't even have, it's not enforceable. Right. Like it doesn't, he doesn't write anything that explains how it's supposed to be enforced or how he wants, you know, different departments and stuff, which is the other thing that I guess I just really don't understand is even outside of him, right? Because I don't even think Donald Trump really cares about the executive order crap other than it makes him feel good, right? Like, look at me. I signed a piece of paper and everybody showed up to stand with me and take my picture. Like, that's what the dude wants more than anything is just to yeah. get publicity, but I just, I, yeah, I mean, like, at the end of this, I'm what I'm hoping more than anything is that he and his entire enterprise kind of get what's coming to them, you know, that, like, that that he doesn't ultimately win from having gamed the entire political system into a presidency that never should have happened, you know, like, that I that would just be so disheartening to me if if he walks out of here... You know, having been impeached by the House, but, you know, acquitted by the Senate and then essentially goes on to live a great life, you know, and and I know that that's not my job, you know, like I'm I'm not the person who's going to go dole out the justice, <laughs> but I'm kind of hoping that like karmic retribution shows up in some way, shape or form. <laughs> I mean, I'm, granted, he does have to walk around with that hairdo all day. So <laughs> and he bragged yesterday that it, it, his hair has to be perfect. I'm like, well, you need to keep trying. Like you need to, you shouldn't be here right now, but you should keep trying. If his hair uh, is the only thing he cares about being perfect, that explains yeah, a lot. It explains a lot. Yeah. Well, apparently Zuckerberg, um, he was talking to uh, Dr. Fauci yesterday. And he who shall Facebook. not be named. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and it was interesting to see how he was criticizing the administration. And I, I, I kind of put two and two together. Zuckerberg is another egomaniac. Well, and he's another person hedging his bets. Yep. You know, like he was more than willing to capitulate to Donald and whatever the Republican Party wanted, as long as they were ultimately going to benefit him. And now that that's looking like it's not going to be the case, shocking. He's going to come out and start talking crap. Like, yep. I mean, <laughs> and I think he's like, he's kind of like Donald in the aspect that uh, one of the things that he that kept getting mentioned was the trust level of the American people towards Dr. Fauci as opposed to Donald. And it kind of shows in Zuckerberg's like responses of like, well, he likes to be around smart people. And Zuckerberg is, I don't know the guy, but he looks like one of those guys who's kind of like, you know, you played sports. I'm going to hang out with you. So people can think I'm cool too. He's like a fanboy, Right. And, And I think that, it's very telling of Zuckerberg. And I, you know, I, I, I have my feelings about social media, but really? yeah, I feel like we've <laughs> talked about that on this <laughs> podcast before. <laughs> I mean, maybe once. Yeah. Well, maybe once or twice. I, I kind of hope Facebook gets that same reckoning. 
you know it's not yeah. what it's cracked up to be that's and, i'm with you on that and i think you're absolutely right that zuckerberg is is so much like trump in that they're both you know uh egomaniacal you know completely narcissistic right people that will do whatever mental gymnastics and backflips they have to do in order to convince themselves ultimately that they were right and everybody else is wrong and that the world is stacked up against them um, and that they should just keep doing what it is that they want to do. You know, that, that ultimately the truth is whatever it is that they say it is, not what other people, you know, tell them it is. That Or even just hard facts. You know? Yeah, well, you know, I <laughs> and, mean... It, Hard facts are just something that someone says to you that they can actually prove. <laughs> yeah. Well, I believe that. Silly rabbit. And, and you know, uh, Chuck Woolery, you know, I know you're not old enough to know who, who he is. May, and maybe you No, are. the name the name actually sounds really familiar. He was a game show host. And yeah, yeah, was, yeah, 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 yeah. No, see, I'm yeah. a big game show guy. I, yeah. like, whenever I would be somewhere that had DirecTV and they had the game show network when we would, like, be on vacation and stuff... That was right. my jam. I was sitting there watching, you know, like um, Love Connection, freaking. That's him. Um, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I thought. It, that's who I thought it was. That's that's why the name sounds familiar. So Ooh, I don't have to tell you. Big Thunder. Yeah, yeah Thunder. <laughs> Sorry, Chris has got a thunderstorm. I, why am I speaking in the third person? <laughs> Gross. I'm gonna go back and edit that out. No, I won't. <laughs> but yeah, I have a thunderstorm rolling through my part of the neighborhood. Uh, but Willery was, you know. Donald retweeted something that Chuck Woolery said to the effect of COVID's not real. It's all fake. The Democrats are, you know, they're making this up just to get Trump out of office. And lo and behold, his son now has COVID-19. He has since uh, dropped his Twitter or deleted his Twitter account. Uh, but before deleting it, he actually said, you know, COVID's real. It's here. And I, you know, I don't wish ill on anybody, nope. but. I do think that the divisiveness and the uh, the rhetoric is dangerous, and that's just more proof that it is dangerous. See, and this you know? is again where I think it's it's so it's so disheartening that this is that that health, right? That the health right. of individual Americans, not even just the global population, but you want to talk about populism and all, all about America and America first, then why is it that you're not willing to wear a mask out in public to protect other Americans? That's what I would like to understand. Why is it that if it's all about us, that we are so hell-bent on destroying the other half? And it really, like, it doesn't matter one side or the other. Like, I mean, if you ask most Democrats, I think, and especially on the extreme side, right, like they would just as soon obliterate and wipe off the face of the planet anybody that's willing to vote for Trump in 2020. <laughs> right. I mean, like, I mean, cor correct me if I'm wrong. And I'm not, yeah. I'm not one of those people, but I just I think there's a lot of people who legitimately feel that way, that like if you voted for Trump in 2016 or you're willing to vote for him in 2020, then you are a deplorable human being who has no right to a life. And that. I just want to be clear is not correct. Yeah. The scorched earth theory is, is kind of, uh, it, it typically backfires. And, and, well, and I'm certainly, it. I'm also not on the, of the mindset that we can sit here and sing kubaya and that that's going to bring everybody together either. We have to have difficult conversations, right? But you can't write off, you know, a third or almost half of the country just because they don't agree with you on a political, uh, 
But it's that's the other thing that's so stupid about all of this is that we've let this become political. The fact that wearing a mask is a political thing. The fact that the health of individuals has become so politicized that it's essentially if you wear a mask, you're you know, a Democrat. And if you don't, you're a Republican. Like it's literally, those are the lines that essentially have been drawn at this point. So my argument is one that even takes into consideration people that want to reopen the economy. And I actually heard somebody support this argument earlier. It's like, okay, we were, you know, people were upset about the stay at home orders, but if there's a need, that big need to go outside, wear a mask. It's not that hard. I mean, freaking the, as I was just reading an article um, that was talking about how the, uh, there was a document that was prepared for the White House's coronavirus task force yep. that said, oh, wow, these 18, 18 out of 50. So <laughs> more than a third of the states in the United States are in the quote-unquote red zone for coronavirus cases and recommended essentially that they roll back all of the reopening stuff, more or less, that has happened. And yet you have the governor of, you know... um, Florida. Well, and I was going to say Georgia. Georgia? You know, he's down there just pissing all over everybody's health, too. I mean, like, that dude is so freaking lock in step with... Trump, it's not even funny. Like, I mean, and, and Trump's the whole reason he got elected down there in the first place. So he's got to kiss the ring. Yeah. Uh, and that's fair. You know, I, again, we, we, did I uh, elect you because I wanted you to kiss the ring? I mean, like, oh, I'm sorry. Yes. I didn't elect you, but is that what, is that what people want? And in a, in a public servant, in a leader in that role is someone who, who just rolls over and says yes to whatever the guy, in the role above him says, I mean, like if you're in a business, is that the type of people that you hire for your team? Right. Do you yeah. hire yes men or do you hire individual thinkers who understand how the system works and how to use the system to your advantage? I, you're right. I, sorry. I, it, <laughs> this is what happens when Chris has one and a half beers. Like he gets, he just gets really angry and starts asking loud questions. Oh, this is going to be a great episode. guys. <laughs> so strap in. Um, you're, I mean, Stevie Wonder actually made a comment about, um, I mean, what you said, and it, it crosses the spectrum from mask, it ca- crosses the spectrum to a lot of things that we deal with, especially a lot of the social changes that a, a vast majority of the country wants, or at least acknowledgement of the issues. And it's he's basically saying, yeah, that's great. We can talk all day, but we have to change something, right? We actually have to change it. And he said, I can see that and I'm blind. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, what was bad about that article was that and only because you mentioned that was because he said he listened to the arguments of the left and he listened to the arguments on the right. And I was like, well, of course. (laughs) How else would he observe them? Now, to be fair, uh, blind people can read if it's in Braille. Yeah, I, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you've heard all the the weird theories about Stevie Wonder not really being blind, right? 
No, and I I refuse to hear. I anything. mean, they're they're absolutely ridiculous. But there's just like, like, why does he have courtside seats? Like, what does it matter? <laughs> <laughs> the view's not any better down there. <laughs> like, there's just all these weird little things that people point to, and they're like, I mean, has this dude been playing us this whole time? <laughs> Yeah, that's why I don't rock with conspiracy theories because I don't have the patience for it. Oh, I know. I'm like, why? Why would you think of that? Why is that a thing? Um, but you're. I mean, he's right. We've got to be able to do the work, and if we don't do the work, they're just a bunch of great ideas that sit on the shelf for that much longer, like the CDC recommendations on those 18 states. Um, and you know, being being a as it is, it's just kind of like, yo, you guys are really going to sit back and, and let this play out like that? Come on. Well, and then, you know, you know on top of that, we're not even just going to sit back. We're going to push schools to open. We're going to put America's children on the front line and the so teachers. A report just came out from some anonymous advisors or White House administration that his his gamble with that is that he wants to get white suburban women to vote for him. Yeah. And also in order to open it, that the obvious one was opening the economy. Yeah. So it's both ultimately because the one, the one that nobody was talking about was that he's watching his poll numbers slip with white suburban women. Yep. And who's staying at home with the kids right now, right? There you go. Who is sitting there going, Oh my God, if I don't get these freaking kids out, out of the house, by the end of the summer, I'm going to murder somebody, and it might be my entire family. Now, granted, but they don't want to. Yeah, they don't want to just take another freaking quaalude, <laughs> drink another bottle of wine, and, and chill the fuck out because <laughs> your kids are no worse than the rest of ours. And if they are, it's your own damn fault. Yeah, stop and putting I'm, them off on the freaking public school system. I, yeah, I, uh, you know, I wrestle with that. Our, our daughter is going to do, she's, I'm glad that she elected to do um, distance learning for her senior year. So she's um, doing the virtual academy option, right? Is that? Yeah. Yeah. That's what, that's what uh, I got to do the application for that for uh, my kid too. Cause it's, it was talking, we were talking about it last week and it's just like, what, there's so much uncertainty around it as much as I would love nothing more than to send her back to school full time or even, but that's just as part of it is for me as I'm sitting there going, what good does it do to really have her in class every three weeks? Like, you know, is she going to get that much more out of it or is it really just an opportunity to get her exposed to something and bring it right. home? Like, so uh, it's not worth the risk. I don't um, think so. I'm with you. You know, looking at the cases in just North Carolina alone. So, you know, anybody listening, I want, here's what, you know, I've been, I kind of had a, it wasn't an argument. It was a dis, this, you know, a separate view of my wife and on what we should be looking at and what metrics they're, they're telling the, the public about COVID. And I think that cases are probably the wrong metric. I think what they should be talking about it because the argument can be made, well, we're testing more. So that's why we have more cases. Well, what I think, and I, I get the correlation that would be a technically a direct correlation, right? But cases are not the right indicator. I would argue that if you, if you map hospitalizations and positivity rate, that's more like, that's a better correlation because with just cases alone, 
you can make the argument that we're testing more. Yep. Well, what about the negative cases? Right? right. We don't we don't understand what that number is. So I think a more wise thing to do to give people a better idea of the picture, or it will at least help me, because what I see is that hospitalizations are going up. Cases are in North Carolina. I can't speak for other places in detail, but I would assume it's the same. Cases are they're clipping on a consistent seven day daily average. So that doesn't really give you the picture, but positivity rates, which is something you have to dig into to find out what it is, actually is increasing steadily. So the saying that we're testing more, which is why we have more cases, isn't always really the right. It's not really the full picture because a lot of people are going to the hospital without a voluntary test. So you'd never know that, right? So it's like, yeah. it's not like people are out there, you know, sitting in line, not, not everywhere, you know, it's, we don't have the capacity to do that many tests. Right. That's the whole point is that you don't have, you don't have every single person going on a weekly basis to get a, a coronavirus test. Right? right. And that's the type of, essentially the type of testing that we need right now in order to truly understand where the case total is, how people are getting infected, how it's spreading and what we can do to stop it. But, yeah. you know, because the entire government, federal, state, you know, local, whatever, have dragged their feet repeatedly and, you know, waited until things were well beyond, you know, really a rebound point. And then, I mean, sh like we were talking about uh, Georgia earlier, they were one of the last states um, to implement a stay at home order. And then right. three weeks later, were the first state to reopen, even though they had not met a single one of the CDC's federal guidelines for reopening. Not even the CDC, the White House's, excuse me, the White House's guidelines for reopening as a state. And from what I understand from that, from what the summary of that 398 page report is, the White House guidelines or recommendations, because they weren't really guidelines, they're they restated as recommendations, were pretty soft. Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, because, yeah, like the, the CDC's guidelines were significantly more stringent, just like they are for schools. I mean, it's the same deal, you know, where it's like they're sitting there going, this is what schools need to do if they want to reopen in person. And I understand that for Wake County, right, their solution is, OK, if we have to maintain a certain amount of distance, we have to limit the number of kids in classrooms, they have to eat lunch in here, all of this stuff. We can only have but so many kids in school on campus at a time. So the logic thing, logical thing is to come up with some sort of rotation you know like i get that i am also extremely glad that they came to their senses and realized that offering an online only option made way more sense than telling people you either do it this way or you go figure it out on your own yeah because yeah did you know that wake county is the 15th largest school district in the nation that's I that's not know I, that. That blew, blew my mind. And I think that's why North Carolina keeps coming up in all the uh, national news of, of schools that aren't reopening yep. full time. Yeah, because um, yeah, that makes sense. And, you know, what what we're doing is we're playing a game and I get the economy and I, I stress over this. Like, I really do, because I'm a business guy. You know, um, I care about business. I think business is something that helps families to um to make things better for themselves. Um, it, it, now, that, before I forget, like when I was talking to your dad a, f a couple weeks ago, it makes me think that 
or it just kind of validates that we all want the same things for our family. And we may see, like, you know, he mentioned the fact that, you know, there weren't people there to support him and his endeavors when he was younger. Yeah. And I, you know, that, that still resonates in my mind. So I still believe that fundamentally we all want the same things. The only way we're going to get there is to have a safe working environment. And we're playing a game with the economy. So some latest, the latest statistics came out. There are 30.5 million small businesses in the United States. 47.4% of all Americans work for a small business. 40% of those small businesses will not reopen. We talked uh, a while ago about, you know, just, you know, and I was just spitballing numbers about cash flow that people would need to have to make it through the end of the year. Yeah. And there was a stat that came out uh, this morning or yesterday morning on CNBC that I believe it's uh, 70% of small businesses don't think they have enough cash to make it for the next six months. So we, we've basically screwed all this up, <laughs> like just right off the bat. Yep. It just re it reinforces like we should have got like the first round of PPP, all the stimulus money should have gone directly to small businesses. So we are literally going to put at least at least seventy percent of small businesses, like the employees, out of work for well into next year. Yeah, on purpose. Yeah. Yeah, because we decided that it was more important to prop up established businesses that had better access to lines of credit. I that mean, that it, was the smart play, you know, that we needed to prop up the airline business, you know, that we right. needed to prop up banks and, you know, I mean, no offense, but, you know, like fast food industries and stuff like that, where those guys have, as a corporate entity have the ability to go raise capital i mean sell some more freaking stock like geez there's ways that you can go about doing this stuff to help out your individual franchisees without but i also understand that from a capitalistic standpoint you look at that as this is an opportunity this is an opportunity for me to get money that i wouldn't have otherwise i'm gonna go take advantage of this opportunity or i might be the guy the only one in my industry who didn't do it and i end up getting you know, run out of business in nine out of 10 towns or locations where I'm at because I'm not prepared for this because I didn't do what I needed to support my franchises. But so, so, and I, I, I hear that argument and I, again, I wrestle with it in my mind when times are good, that's when you store up cash. Yep. You know, you don't, you don't do, um, stock buybacks. You, you don't do stock buybacks. You, you don't like, <laughs> you're not doing, you're not, you're not doing M and a, you're not, you know, acquiring other companies. Yep. You're building your war chest because not everything in business is guaranteed. That's how I look at my personal finances. When times are good, I store away more pennies. And had I not done that, you know, especially like over the last two years, with recent events in, you know, in my personal life and this new economy, yeah. I would be, I'd be dead. Not, well, not dead, but I'd be like freaking out. Yeah. So when times are good, you store your pennies. I mean, that's, that literally is like, if it's not business one-on-one, it should be like business like 201. <laughs> like it's once just... you open, once you open the doors, 
you should be able to figure that out. It's just interesting because I feel like, you know, there's, I feel like there used to be, you know, the goal of, uh, right, I think we've talked about this before, the goal of starting a business was to build it, right? To build it into something sustainable, something that ultimately you pass on down the family line, right? Like I want a family business, whether it's a hardware store or it's, you know, an automotive dealership or it's a gas station, like it doesn't matter, right? I want to build this thing so it's mine and I own it and I'm in control of it and then I have an asset or some sort of legacy or something that I can pass on to my kids and my the next generation and then they can decide whether they keep it and move on or or whatever it is. And I feel like we're so much at the point now where, like you said, it's all about mergers and acquisitions, right? I'm starting a business to get bought out. It's the idea of going viral as opposed to working on sustainable growth, right? Like, right. you know, it's all about, I got to get that VC money because my angel <laughs> investor is going to come in and dump a bunch of cash. And when he's not looking, I'm heading out the back door to throw, you know, stripper parties in my stretched Hummer limo. Like, is that your plan? <laughs> Cause that that was pretty like uh, pretty specific. <laughs> uh, that was just the first thing that came to mind. <laughs> That's funny, because <laughs> he's like, "I'm doing this," and I'm like, uh, <laughs> "All right, yeah." <laughs> no, but it that. is like I just I think, and I don't even know if it's inherently you know American or if it's just one of these cyclical things that you know like uh, historically societies go through where it's like. We're so much more focused, I feel like, on the here and now and so much less focused on the future. Maybe part of it is because we live in this world where it seems like everything is about to fucking be the end of the world, right? So it's like, why am I going to worry about 10 years from now, climate change, nuclear war, you know, the robot uprising, (laughs) coronavirus, like there's so many, you know, killer Killer hornets. Yeah, hornets. (laughs) I mean, there's so many things these days that are going to be the thing that take us out. Do we all just kind of sit here and go, well, I'm just going to enjoy life while I can and not worry about it. (laughs) But Jesus, what a sorry lot for the next generation. (laughs) Well, yeah, I know. And like, I think probably in our third our third episode, we we're talking, you know, I mentioned like uh, marketing. And the reason I mentioned marketing is because that's typically the first department companies grow and the first department companies cut. Yeah. And I don't know why that is because it's like, it's actually counterintuitive, right? Because you actually need people to, you know, sift through the BS of the market that you're in, whatever your marketplace is, and help you find a path. So if anything, that should be a department you, you keep secure. But it's always funny how people grow it and they that's the first one they slash. Yeah, it's like, and you know, I think like we've talked a little bit before that I think, you know, marketing in the digital age has gone through quite a transformation. You know, I mean it used to right. be print ads and billboards and and that sort of thing, newspapers that would get you your money and it was all about having something eye-catching or a witty you know or even like television commercials you know like you had to have right. something funny didn't even matter if it ultimately related to your product like budweiser with the stupid frogs frogs have nothing to do with <laughs> beer and yet you know or what's up like yeah. those are all just stupid commercials but they're things that stick with you and you kind of remember what it is that they're associated with these days it's so much more about you know targeted marketing and all of this other stuff that's essentially like shooting fish in a barrel. I almost wonder if like 
part of this romance that we've gone through with marketing over the last several years, maybe 10 or 15 years, has anything to do with like Mad Men, you know, and like the glorification <laughs> of those old marketing days where it's like you have kids that were in college that were like, man, I really want to get into marketing so I can be like Dom Draper and like cry all the time whenever nobody's <laughs> looking. Like, um, I want to, you know, I really want to be a raging alcoholic, but that nobody knows about it. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> What freaks me out of that is that, for example, Vox is laying off uh, 72 employees, right? So for, for me, it's like a headwind of, okay, so companies are getting really smart. Let's furlough people, right? Yeah. We, we keep our unemployment claims down. Yep. And then let's cut them off at the head. Um, and what's going to happen when things stabilize, which I, I – kind of feel it may be 2022 i i think at some point in 2021 we're gonna peak our head above order yeah and then probably q3 q4 of 2021 we're actually gonna get on a, a real consistent climb so i you need to be able to have people on the on the front line that can tell you what the pulse of the market is yeah and th it's like Ladies and gentlemen, you're cutting off your nose to spite your face. Yes. And that's where, you know, I think what you were talking about earlier becomes so key. You know, like having saved your pennies when things were good, right? And right. adding them to your wartime chest is what would have prepared you to weather this storm. And I can say, you know, speaking specifically of the, like in my line of business, the customers who, looked at this and said the last time that we had a major economic downturn the outdoor industry saw a huge uptick because people weren't investing or spending money on vacations they were investing in outdoor equipment that they could reuse over and over again right so if we have learned anything from the last 12 years we are going to double down and actually plow through as best we can to maintain all of this stuff and build our e-commerce line, understanding that we don't know when stores are going to come back online. So if we can develop a or already have a good enough e-commerce situation, we can weather this with no problem and actually come out on the other side significantly stronger as all of our competitors fall by the wayside. And that's what I've seen time and time again. I mean, the customers that I'm dealing with and still talking to are the ones who were prepared for this. And the ones who weren't have gone completely silent. And most most of them have furloughed and, and ultimately fired the majority of their staff. So I'm going to call it Jimmy the Greek moment and, and say, all right, I, I'm not a marketer, nor do I play one on TV, but I'm fascinated by that industry. Um, and I've noticed for a long time, I would say probably 12 years ago. No, it's probably a little bit longer than that. Probably 15 years ago or so, I had a friend I worked with at you know a former a former company, and he explained to me what marketing was, and I started to notice that trend. Like, that's probably a good place you want to put your dollars, right? And then you explain more stuff about marketing. I'm like, wow, if you if you really hedge your bets and you keep that a consistent line item on your P&L, you're probably invincible. <laughs> but what what's always amazed me as we go through these cycles, and, and people think that 08 and 09 were the toughest parts. They forget about 12 
and between 12 and 15 where there was a little bit of unrest in the market oh that was that was 12 and 15 that was rough yeah i mean i i had uh at the end of 2011 i lost my job uh both of my jobs actually i had two kind of like independent contractor gigs that i was working simultaneously to keep myself afloat that was going pretty well um but i lost both of my jobs right before the turn of the new year and like i was terrified that I wasn't going to be able to find anything because that was right at the beginning of everybody just kind of like, Holy crap, this is panic. You know, like (laughs) everything that had started in 2008, right. Finally had kind of come to roost in a lot of places in 2012 in terms of people starting to lose their homes and losing, you know, their jobs and stuff like that. And so I, I mean, honestly, at the time I felt so incredibly fortunate that I was able to find something <laughs> and it ended up being a gig that, that lasted me quite a while. Um, yeah. you know, I got, I got, I was very fortunate ultimately that that turned out the way that it did, but I know that, it, you know, it could have very easily been the exact opposite. You know I mean? I was sitting there replying to freaking Craigslist ads. That's how desperate I was. And, and. Well, that sucks. <laughs> now, granted, 2012 Craigslist was ever so slightly more reputable than it is right now. I don't think anybody posts job listings on there unless they're looking for like some sort of foot model or something like that. Yeah, I was like, I don't, I don't know what. <laughs> like my brain did a Rolodex. I'm like, oh, I don't, I don't know what that was. But you see my point, right? So now is the time where you you look for innovation. And you look for things that you can actually depend on and that, that are more consistent and longstanding where you can save your pennies. Um, and I, I read another article that the stock market is actually finally starting to like click. The stock market, it's in a, a phase of what's called FOMO, fear of missing out. Yeah, everybody's investing because the number went down. And which what yeah. does that do? It makes everything go back up. But what's yep. going to happen ultimately is that these companies are going to start reporting <laughs> Q2 numbers anytime yep. now. And then guess what happens in November when Q3 numbers come out? Oh, when, Nike. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't remember what the consumer confidence numbers were, but I know they were slightly down, even though jobs numbers were up. So, ladies and gentlemen, one of my um, addictions is financial markets because I get fascinated by puzzles. My secret power is I can look at a lot of moving pieces and tell you how they work. That's it. I'm not super. I'm not. You were always angry. <laughs> oh, well, that no, that's my secret. Oh, that's just your secret, not your secret <laughs> power. <laughs> my ability to read and understand puzzles is what's helped me in business. Um, for when, for example, when Chris and I worked together at that place, um, wasn't my background, but I have a, I'm blessed with an ability to, to look at things and go, Oh, that's how that works. How do we make it better? Or how do we maintain it? Or do we need to fix it? Um, but I love the financial markets. It's like, uh, it's like a, like a drug for me. It's like, because I can, I like to look for the patterns and understand those patterns, but anyway, enough of that. Um, but yeah, the market is going to hit the realization that consumers aren't really spending money. White collar workers are actually propping up the markets right now at the expense of frontline, blue collar, uh, retail, customer facing customers. Yep. 
So if you can work remotely or telework or whatever, whatever you want to, whatever you want to call it, you're still spending money. You're probably safe right now. And where we live in Wake County, North Carolina, it's like a bubble. It's Disneyland. I mean, you think about the amount of tech industry that is here in in RTP, right? And Mm -hmm. those jobs in particular, for the most part, are very easy to do remotely. And, you know, I think we talked about before, like it's hilarious to some degree that these tech giants ever thought that they needed these massive, you know, sprawling (laughs) campuses um, in order to house their employees because not only are they figuring out which employees they can work without, but the fact that they don't need these big offices, that ultimately what it provides is a whole lot more overhead that could easily be shrunk down by allowing people to simply work from home and providing them with, you know, a solid internet. And that's where, that's the other thing that I just think is so funny is it's like, you know, oh, well, if you work remotely, maybe you don't have good internet. Okay, invest in those areas, right, where you have remote employees to get them good internet, right? Work deals with the freaking cable companies in those areas to say, hey, we've got X number of employees that we're going to hire in this area. We want to get a better rate than what you're giving your residential customers, and we want yeah. higher speeds. Boom, yep. done. It's we're we're watching the the shaping of the next phase of our economy. We we really are, and economy, I, I think three yeah, like we we have survived the 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 dot com bust, the financial crisis because well that's let's that's like real, a whole let's lot. hope it's not like Windows Vista. Oh, <laughs> oh! <laughs> so, please, please let it be XP. <laughs> <laughs> I like NT. Windows NT was super. Solid. It actually was. Yeah, it I was keep very like you know, like I've used Windows before, but I, I, I wish it just would have kept Windows NT. Let's be Windows. honest. It never got better than Windows 95. <laughs> Crickets. <laughs> so let me ask you a question. Please uh, do. This this cancel culture thing what what do you think that is what do i think it is well let me let me well, let what me do spiel. i think about it what let me spiel because like oh okay well so was, you don't want to ask me a question yeah i, I really well, you don't. did but you just wanted to do it so you, you could be like oh he's talking and then my turn's next <laughs> can't wait till <laughs> yeah, he yeah, shuts so, up <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna be honest and just say yeah go yo cancel culture is the stepchild of the boycotts of the 30s through 50s and maybe 60s and i think i really really think that the reason people are getting everything in so much in a wad is because they didn't realize that with social media and the World Wide web's technologies that people can voice their opinions so quickly and so loudly yeah and i think that's the problem you know it, it, it's interesting because I think, like, you kind of hit, the I think, the, the nail on the head in terms of what is both great and terrible about the internet at the same time, and, like, social media in particular, is right. that it is a, a voice amplifier, right, for the the lesser heard in that regard, right? That it's not, it doesn't have to be every, you don't have to find a group of people that necessarily are the same as you, but you will find people who sympathize and empathize with what it is that you're dealing with. Right. And so I think, you know, in terms of 
the ability to bring racial injustices, right, or, you know, these horrific police encounters to light so that people don't feel like this is just an isolated incident or that we have to take only the police officer's word for it, you know, that that, that is an incredibly invaluable tool, right? right? But at the same time, there's no discern, discerning between which voices get amplified, Right. The, but who cares? Well, but I, I, I care in some degrees because the vo- sometimes the voices that get amplified are people like freaking Donald Trump. Sometimes it's it's trolls who are out to do absolutely nothing but destroy somebody. And no, but that's that's almost the, all right. So no, that's not okay because here's my argument with that with that line of thinking. Who cares? Speak your mind, right? And I'm not going to go on some First Amendment right BS because. I, I think that amendment is being taken so far out of context. And let me tell you why. If you've never read the Constitution, if you've never read the Bill of Rights, here's why what you're saying about the First Amendment is bunk. Okay? Congress shall not put anything in place to limit speech about what? The government <laughs> has nothing to do yeah. with expressing opinions. The government can't well, and you know, it also has nothing to do with a freedom of repercussions, right? From voicing they're, they're, your stupid ass opinion, like yeah, you well, have the the right, in some sense, or the ability, let's call it, to voice your dumb opinion any which way you want. You can go stand on your street corner and shout it. You can post it on social media, but that doesn't mean that people aren't allowed to say, "Hey, that's freaking stupid. You shouldn't think that way because of X, Y, and Z." There, there you go. And that's my, well, that's, I agree with that, right? So the First Amendment argument is stupid. It's like, guys, stop taking out of context. You sound stupid. Did you go to civics class? That's going to be my new phrase. Did you go to, did you pay attention in civics class? Did you ever go? Have you, have you looked up the, the freaking constitution, right? There's good in there. There's bad in there. There's things that probably should be amended. Again, I'm not an attorney, nor have I played one on TV, but I can read. So the cancel culture, so so what if Trump gets amplified? No, right? and, and, uh, I guess to come back to the cancel culture thing, um, I agree that I think it is in, in so many ways, shapes, and form like a modern kind of version of boycotting, right? Um, or, or even protesting to a degree, right? right? I think... And maybe I'm wrong for thinking this, right? Or feeling this way. I think to some degree... You're wrong. You're wrong. Okay. (laughs) There's kind of a laziness about it, you know? Like, I think, to me, it's kind of like the social media warriors, where it's like, yeah, I'm going to get on here, and I'm going to post a bunch of stuff about how this is all wrong, but I'm not actually willing to get off my ass and do anything else about it. I'm not, you know, like, I'm not willing to go march in a protest physically i'm not willing to you know request or or to bug my freaking state representatives or my you know whatever my federal representatives to actually pass laws like all i want to do is bitch about it and i think like that's it's not to say that i don't i don't even it's not i don't disagree with the idea of cancel culture or the idea of boycotting for us as people to use our power to sit there and say we don't care what hollywood says we don't care what politics say we don't care what any individual group of power is dictating to us we have to take we as a group have decided no we are not supporting that and so whether it's you know 
repeatedly calling for somebody to be fired or to be removed or threatening to boycott, you know, a certain business unless they they do something. Like, I think that's an incredibly powerful weapon. I think we've also seen some instances where it's been, it's it, like it gets abused, right, to some degree. And I'm not I'm not saying that. It, we should get rid of it altogether. That we need to like cancel cancel culture because in certain <laughs> cases it's being used wrong. But I'm just saying I think there is a certain level of like I don't know general caution. Like I don't want if you go out and you you threaten to cancel everything, right? Like you you threaten to cancel Dave Chappelle because he made a joke about transgender people in one of his specials, right? Okay, that's not the same as Donald Trump telling white people like you know that you're the best right like i i know that that's a, that's a horrible yeah because my brain's not that. working the way that i want it to at this moment i'm just so but here's here's why i say like but if you allow if you allow that conversation to like take its logical course right where people are like well let's cancel dave Chappelle. first of all i do not advocate canceling dave Chappelle. right you know? me neither but, just to be clear if you let that conversation have its logical ending, people are going to be able to prove the point of, you know, or prove their argument where it doesn't make sense to cancel him. I and guess, but I, 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 think, I think the other piece of it that I struggle with is that, right? you know, like the the ideal that I think so many of us grew up with in this country is the fact that you are supposed to be innocent until proven guilty, right? That you are assumed innocent. Oh, true that. Until in a court of law, you know, an attorney can present or the state or the federal government, whatever, can present irrefutable evidence, right? Evidence that states without a doubt that you committed X crime. Now, granted, that's primarily for like, you know, violent crimes and stuff. I know civil cases are different, but in the terms of violating some specific law where it's the government bringing you to, you know, trying to bring you to justice. Like they have to prove that you did it. You don't have to prove you didn't do it. So here's a good scenario then. Right. Yeah. So, uh, apparently, uh, chance the rapper was supporting, uh, Kanye West or asking the question, should Con- you know, why aren't people supporting Kanye's run for president? Mm-hmm. And a lot of people just like flamed on dude. Cancel, and- cancel chance. I'm done with him. I'm never listening to him again. Okay. Did you know I'm joking? Come on. <laughs> I mean, I'm like, how dare right. he ask that question? <laughs> <laughs> but there were some people there like, yeah, we don't rock with you anymore. Blah, yeah, blah, blah. Of course. It's like, at least there was a discussion. Right. And he actually chimed in on a couple of the, uh, of the replies. Sure. So it's like, he's open to the, the, the question. Yeah. That's great. But I had a sense that people were about to cancel, dude. <laughs> so, and I was like, it, okay, I think that as long as there's discourse for both sides, if the, if the opinion is what you're doing is harmful to the overall group and we're just not rocking with you, that's how I translate cancel. And if you choose to rock with them, you and your little camp can, but everybody else, we're done with them. It's kind of like Goya. Yeah. Right? Yeah, and I think, if I'm being honest, I think a lot of this comes from... I think people don't like the word cancel. <laughs> like, no, no, no. Well, what I was going to say is I think the, the this whole 
like this push for cancel culture, right? Like stems a lot from this, the fact that we have ignored, and I say we as a white male, because that's the group that's done this. White men have ignored every other group of people on the planet, essentially, for the last 2,000 years, 15,000 years, however long people have been here, let's call it, for, for however long white folk have been around, right? <laughs> but you know, you know culture didn't start in Europe, right? Right, so exactly. That, that's, that's why your argument's weak. Well, no, <laughs> like, I know. But what I'm, <laughs> what I'm trying to say is that I think ultimately over these last, like, you know, like the Me Too movement, right? Right. A big there, people had issues with that because of the same thing, where it's like, well, we're assuming guilt the moment that an accusation is made, right? We aren't providing right. the person who's been accused even the remote opportunity to defend themselves. We are immediately going, so and so said he did this. We have to get rid of him immediately, right? And that's why that's why cancel culture is a stepchild. Well, and, I, and that's I get I'll, that, I'll, but that's what I'll I'm saying is that ultimately. You know, I, and I am not saying, you know, God, it's just, it's so ridiculous to feel like I have to qualify this stuff anymore. I'm not you know, saying I'm against the Me Too me, movement. It's me and you talking. Like, I know, but, but it's not ultimately. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's me and you talking with a ho- hopefully a whole bunch of people listening. And 30 <laughs> years down the road, when this podcast is the most popular podcast on the face of the planet, someone's going <laughs> to go back and listen to episode 26 and they're going to say, wow. 30 years ago, that dude was totally anti me too. Listen to this tiny, like two second clip where he goes, that was the problem with the me too movement. Bam. Chris is banned. Chris is canceled. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) But to a certain degree, that's kind of what I'm also talking about. I mean, like the whole Kevin Hart thing, right? With the, where it's like, he made Twitter jokes. He's saying, yeah, I'm not going to apologize for it because I made them at a different time. I don't feel that way. Do I get up on stage and say those jokes now? Do I tweet that stuff now? No. Judge me for who I am now, not for who I was 10 years ago. Like, but I, but I think, all right, there's a whole, there's a flaw with that. So you should be okay with like speaking from your heart if you're coming from an honest place. And you don't have to like, yeah, sure. There are things I said and did when I was younger I probably wouldn't do now. But it's it's not like I mean I would have taken that on the chin, but yeah, and I, I just would have never acknowledged it. But I think the problem I think there's two problems. One, it's the word cancel, and yeah. two, it's the fact that people are depending on these quote unquote platforms for some type of validation. And I Well, and I think it's also that we as a society look to these people for some sort of leadership and like you know, I validation don't. of us as individuals, right? I don't. No, I'm not saying you. And no, I don't and think I, I do either. But I think there are a lot of people. That's like this whole freaking influencer thing is a thing, right? Because it's like, <laughs> why do I follow Kim Kardashian? Most likely it's not because you ultimately think that she's that great. It's because you wish you were her. You wish you had her cushy freaking lifestyle. You wish you never had to lift a freaking finger. That you could get all the plastic surgery in the world to make you look however the hell you want. And that you had some guy that was willing to claim he was running for president and then not run for president and then somehow end up on the ballot in Oklahoma. Yeah, that that still doesn't make sense. But, <laughs> but who so, also endorses the current... Uh, actually, he doesn't. He well, he doesn't that. anymore, but not, yeah. what, two years ago? The dude yeah, sat yeah. in the White House and was like, this is my dude. Yeah, so, so my point is, like, I get it. I, I don't think... I will say this. I don't think free speech is under attack. If I'm being honest with cancel culture, you can say whatever you want to no, say. I just, you're absolutely right. That's such a ridiculous statement. 
Yeah. I'm sorry. I mean, you can't say ridiculous shit without consequences anymore. <laughs> That's what's happened. Yeah. You're, and I think people are just more or less mad because people call them out and more people hear about it. It's not what, just. What, like a, did you see that? Was it? I think you had sent me the video or we were chatting about it over text or something. The. Um, the asshole CEO in San Francisco or Silicon Valley oh, yeah. somewhere who was at some restaurant and started saying a bunch of ridiculous shit to that Asian family as they were singing yep. happy birthday. Yep. He later stepped down. Yeah. Good. And, but, it, but even that's he stepped of down off of the top of a volcano, <laughs> <laughs> but even that, that in and of itself is hollow because I think the pe- the issue people really have, if you, if you were to like really like dig into it, it's that it's no longer a barbershop conversation, right? It's no longer a conversation you and your buddies have over a beer. It's the potential of thousands or millions of people hearing about your transgressions. That's, that's what I think people are like, like people that are in power or they have positions of influence, like true sure. power and true influence. That's what's shaking. Well, it is because it, it's been unchecked power and influence for so long. There was yeah. no recourse. If this stuff happened without cell phones and social media to get it out there, nobody would ever believe it, right? Yep. Dude, I had the CEO of you know some company start shouting a bunch of racist stuff at me. Well, did you get him on tape? No. Or is there anybody else that's willing to speak up and say that he did it? No. Because it turned out the entire rest of the restaurant was white. Whoops. Yep. So, so I think that's the issue. So, and I don't think it's an attack on free speech. And again, out of context, it's attack on stupid speech. (laughs) Yeah. So so for me, it's like, Oh, if somebody goes at you and you put them out like that, that's why you have all these Karen, you know, like uh, sightings. That's why you have all the uh, Jake sightings. It's just like, you know, you're getting caught in your mess. It's no longer just like, I say barbershop because in my community, yeah, we have a lot of conversation in the barbershop. No, you know? I mean, locker room talk, you know, is yeah, what I think, you know. Yeah, for everybody else, you know. Um, so, but I I have the fortunate pleasure of having to have those conversations or two types of conversations in two different places. Oh, <laughs> trust me. I'd much rather have barbershop conversations than locker room conversations <laughs> any day, <laughs> all day. Those locker room conversations are always weird. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah dude, we're know. standing around talking with our junk out. Well, I am. I mean, you are. I'm not. <laughs> so i mean but i i wanted to get your thought on that i think i don't see a. I see people are just uncomfortable with cancel culture from that aspect maybe i'm wrong i'm probably right and um, you usually are um no i mean i think you know ultimately like it's a very powerful weapon it is it is really it is the voice of the people or a mass of people you know and even if it's not the majority right i think these days the amplification tool is there so if you if it can be used properly then like yeah you can you can actually get some change done um yeah i think at the same time i kind of question how meaningful is some of this change right like we're holding these individuals responsible in a lot of cases but a are they willing to hold themselves accountable and b are the companies that have employed these people going to do anything different going forward or is it just a bunch of cya Measures well, Nick to, Cannon got fired. Yeah, but he got you know people get fired, but then right is it? Well, shit, I have to fire you because you got caught on tape. But the next person I hire is literally going to be the exact same person that you were. I'm just hoping they're not dumb enough to go get caught on tape doing it, right? Well, so I mean, but again, Nick Cannon got fired, and you know he's caused some. You know, even Ice Cube was kind of defending him, you know, because he 
made a reference to uh, Louis Farrakhan, and yeah. I want to say this. Yo, I love Ice Cube. He scares me just because he's scary looking, and he intimidates me. But big fan, not of all of his music. I like, but I do like Cube. Though. Cube's my dude. Like, big check in the box for Cube. I don't agree with the Farrakhan stance, right? So, and I get why he defend. Well, he's is he's a Muslim, or he's part of. Well, he's a Muslim. He's not a part of the Nation of Islam, and so this is like this is going to be a big spaghetti ball of stuff. So, Cube is Cube, and he kind of defended Nick Cannon and because of Cannon saying something that Farrakhan said, which I don't agree with. And, you know, I'm not asking Cube to come at me because it's not that serious, bro. I just disagree with that. I just disagree. I disagree with Louis Farrakhan. Uh, but Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, who's also a Muslim, was in some aspects saying, well, we can't be making any you know, some, you know, Semitism like remarks and cube kind of went at Kareem. <laughs> I'm just like, look, cube, I love you, dude, but those are grown men. Let them fight themselves because I don't want to pick sides. I do think Nick Cannon was voicing his opinion. I do think that he got fired and real talk. He's an employee. And if you do something outside the bounds and they want to fire you, so be it, whatever. Yeah. Stop being a baby. Cube didn't really have to. I think Cube was defending what the some of the backlash over, like what was said. Yeah, yeah. What was said about Louis Farrakhan, and I, I just don't rock with Farrakhan, and I'm Isn't okay it, with. Didn't Deshaun Jackson recently do something where he posted something on Instagram about Louis Farrakhan as well, and was where it was the quote where it started out Hitler was right, or Hitler yeah. said, or something like that. And no. Well, yeah, he used a ter- uh, he used a, a quote from Hitler, but it was accredited to Hitler. Yeah, and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar has something to say. You know, just saying about the anti-Semitism. Uh, I can't even say it. Well, I love the Jews, so I'm not. I have no hate against the Jews. You know? I really enjoyed Uncut Gems. Yeah, I mean, like, but <laughs> Adam Sandler's my boy. <laughs> Kareem went out on the limb to like. To actually say, yo, it's not about that. It's not a, the Jewish people are not our enemies. Yeah. Like justice is our enemy, not a group of people. Yeah. Well, Cube has been like blasting on a lot of people. I mean, Deshaun Jackson, he got a fine. I don't know if he's going to play. I mean, uh, any of them at this point? Well, that's a whole nother, that's a whole nother <laughs> discussion. But they may try, you know, there's rumors that he may, potentially loses contract with the Eagles. Sure. And I mean, Philadelphia is not exactly the place that you really want to be promoting that stuff, just in terms of what their fan base is primarily made of. I mean, you remember other, that it, uh, was, team. <laughs> it was gangs of marauding white guys with baseball bats and Philly that were, you know, supported by the damn police. Yeah. And the owners of the team are Jewish. So yeah. it's like, uh, he could have died in a different hill, but then I kind of blame social media. It's like, use it sparingly. Don't put all your opinions out there. Well, okay, <laughs> but that's where I guess I, I question just that statement. I blame social media. It's not social media's <laughs> fault. That's his I, fault. I, 
I know. Like, okay. I'm just saying. No, I mean, <laughs> I just wanted to make sure that we were on the same page. I figured that's what you meant, that it was more yeah. tongue-in-cheek. Like, but <laughs> I sometimes I have to check with you. <laughs> yeah. But, but, I, <laughs> but I think this whole anti-Semitic, you know, anti-Semitic like, argument, it's a valid argument. I, I don't think the argument, you know, because society is trying to put pit black people against a lot of people. Yeah. You know? That's not my fight, yo. Like, I'm not trying to fight with like Jewish people. I'm not trying to fight with Hispanics. I'm not trying to fight with Asians. Right. I, you know, in the fifties and sixties, they tried to, you know, elevate. And that's one of the reasons why I hate the word elevate. They try to elevate Asian Americans above blacks for political gain. Right. And they, you know, disparage this whole culture to say, well, if blacks were more like Asians, they'd be better in school. And, and that's where a lot of those stereotypes came in. So I'm not really down with that, but I do think, you know, I I don't, the whole, even in this context, people are taking, they're taking the freedom of speech amendment or they're taking the first amendment out of context. You, and like you keep saying, you're not free from the consequences, you know, and I'm being serious. So what? He got fired. I don't give a crap. Yeah. Like, Yo, you stepped out of bounds, even though he, he made that, like Nick Cannon made that statement in his own podcast. I mean, yeah, you work for these people. Right. And they caught wind of it. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's no different than any of these Karens and Jakes that are working yeah. places, right? I mean, you weren't working at your job when you did that, right? You were on your own personal time, you know, doing your own personal thing. And yet there are repercussions for that because ultimately yeah. what that says in the case of Jake's and Karen's is a whole lot about who you are as a person. Now right. I don't necessarily feel the same way about Nick Cannon um, <laughs> because it's, I mean, it's a different thing. Right. And I don't, you know, I, I don't, I didn't see the message from him or the post or anything like that. Um, but you know, I don't, I just, yeah, it's, it, they're, they're different things. Ultimately <laughs> it's what it boils down to. Yeah. And I am with you in that. I think, you know, it would be foolish or very short-sighted to think that throughout history there haven't been people of the Jewish faith and power who have, you know, done things to oppress black people, right? Um, I think it's very easy to assume that that is, that, that is true. Um, that does not mean all Jewish people are, you know, uh, racists and that they don't like or are anti-black people, right? And that every... It's, it's, it's no more, you know, like silly in my mind than it is to sit here and say that any of the ridiculous stereotypes that we generally associate with people are inherently true of, of all people of that, that group, right? right? You know, all Asians aren't great at math, right? I've met some of them. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, but I will say this, Jake, I mean, Jake Tapper also got a little bit of the wrath of, uh, of cube and he, you know, Yo, the new term is going to be like, watch your mouth. Yo, the yellow stuff from my culture is coming out. It's a news headline. When Cube told Jake Tapper to watch his mouth. And he's like, I mean, he's going to bat for Farrakhan and that's his battle. And he yeah. can do that because he's Cube. Well, he's Cube. But, I mean, to some degree, <laughs> you know, like, I mean, for real, like Ice Cube could probably have said the exact same thing that Nick Cannon did. And they'd still be shooting episodes of SVU. You know, yeah. like, I mean, with him starring, just to be clear, like, 
that dude to some degree has earned like I mean, yeah, dude is scary as fuck. Like I would not want to be in a contract negotiation meeting with Ice Cube sitting across the table from him. He doesn't even smile, yo. Exactly. <laughs> like one of my favorite Key and Peel skits is the Ice Cube dog, the rescue dog that they bring home where it's Jordan Peel's head and he's doing his Ice Cube impression. <laughs> he's on this little dog body. It's like, but seriously, did nobody see the most dangerous game? Like that dude survived people hunting him and he killed them all. It's cube, yo. And I'm not even a West Coast guy like that, but right. it's like I'm not even picking that fight, you know. No. It's not I mean, I mean but, this dude makes Jerry Curls look badass. Yeah. Like <laughs> seriously. <laughs> like, I mean, that dude must have invested so much in Soul Glow back in the eighties because yo, yo, if this ever gets out to yo, Cube, I did not say that. <laughs> my, my respect. I, I wasn't really down with N- a lot of NWA music. I did like beep the police, but uh, I did buy like two of your CDs. Uh, Wicked is one of my favorite songs. I use it to work out because that's dope. My white brother, Chris, <laughs> he made that comment. Yep, that was me. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Cube. I, I'm, not, I'm just saying, man, I don't want any Cube Lash. No, I understand some Cube Lash. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> life i um i i mean i mean we're talking about religion and i i get it um i i don't think it has to be that divisive and i you know i have mad respect for my muslim brothers and sisters my protestant brothers i have mad respect for a lot of people i may not agree on your theology or i may have questions about your theology but no love lost here no i I I, I just with religion and stuff like that it's it's tough, right? Because it is, but at want- the same time, I just, you know, like for me, it's all about, you know, you do you, you know, what works for you works for you, but why some people feel the need to force that onto others, you know, whether it's through the Republican party, let's be honest. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> right. We, we, yeah. We might as well talk about it. Yeah. The, 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 the evangelical Protestants, that is a new, the new buzzword in the news cycle, evangelical Protestants. Well, and it's, I mean, it's, it's kind of interesting, right? Because I think there've been a lot of ups and downs for that group lately in terms of political quote unquote victories and losses. Um, they're, they're losing out right now because uh, their seemingly atheist president <laughs> has let them down. I mean, and, um, isn't there something in the Bible about being aware of false gods? Oh, it's, it's all over the Bible. Uh, so can, can we just address for a moment that Donald Trump essentially thinks of himself as a God mm. and that he is very much a false God. And that those of you that went, that's my God right there. My you dude, want to talk about the American God. Yeah. Like that dude, dude is the freaking embodiment of the American God. If, if, if there ever was one. My dude in a press conference literally said he's the chosen one. I was <laughs> I like, just... yo, God is probably like holding back. But all to, if, if literally any other person in the history <laughs> of the United States said that they were the chosen one, not even that was running or sitting president, 
Like, that dude in freaking Waco, Texas got burnt out of his house because he said he was the son of God. Like, I'm sorry. And yet we're supposed to believe that the adultering, gambling, (laughs) screwing scumbag of a leader that we have in Donald Trump is the chosen one. I mean, I... I just, it it blows my mind. When he said that, I was like, yo, why is he still alive? But like, I know God lets lots of bad things happen on a regular basis, but I don't think he's that sadistic. Like, <laughs> You know how like when you see your kid doing something, and now I'm going to turn everybody into a six-year-old. I'm going to borrow your, your yes. things. Yes. I knew it would happen eventually if I just kept driving it home. <laughs> when you see your kid doing you like peek around the corner. You're like, what are you doing? Oh, you're going to do that? Oh, you're really going to pull that off the top of the counter? Oh, watch out. Bam. And they start crying. That's Maybe that's what God's doing right now. He's like, okay, I'll let you do that. I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised, you know? Um, this is a dude that straight up flooded an entire planet at one point because he didn't really like the way things were going. <laughs> <laughs> but he did promise he would never do that again. He was he like, did. okay, maybe. Maybe I was a little bit upset. Maybe just a little bit. (laughs) I mean, maybe I could have just sent them to their room. I I don't know, but well, then when the pharaoh of Egypt wouldn't let the Jewish people out of their rent agreement, you know, it was yeah. I mean, he he gave them (laughs) options. (laughs) He said, "Look at this place. You got frogs. You got locusts. Everybody, every firstborn is dying. You want my people to stay here?" I mean, he gave him options. He was like, all right, I'm going to do the little one first. I'm going to show you a little bit of blood. You know? <laughs> we good? Oh, you want, you want to be stubborn. Okay. Locust. I mean, it was a progression and let me get your attention. It was. <laughs> so, um, But the evangelicals are getting like super nervous right now because I, I don't know if this is factual, but, and I don't remember if he said it, but since Roe versus Wade is like this, this stiffy mm-hmm. for uh, evangelicals yep. politically, he has not made any progress. He hasn't made any progress on a lot of things. He's tried. And, and, and by him, I mean, he has pushed every state elected official or official in general that he could to try and pass as restrict. I mean, the, the whole Louisiana uh, bill that was going to close two of the three remaining abortion clinics in the state, um, you know, was a huge push from the entire Republican party spearheaded by the white house to try and get that through because they thought that with the makeup of the Supreme court, now they would essentially use that as a way to outlaw abortion, that they could continue to make the restrictions more and more strict to the point where nobody would be able to essentially provide an abortion ever. And, you know, I, I am, I think you and I have talked about this. Like I am certainly not of the opinion that abortion should ever be used as any sort of form of birth control. Like, but there are so many, I think legitimate cases where that is a procedure that is what is medically best. And if, if you're going to go through the process of trying to outlaw that simply because it goes against your personal beliefs, I just, but it's not, it's not even, it's not, that's not even a factual thing. Right. I watched, a couple documentaries and they talked about how uh, Republicans, since they lost uh, Brown versus Brown versus the board of education, they pivoted. That was the last thing they had or to kind of unite the conservative movement. Right. It wasn't even like, uh, 
it was never on the table until they couldn't overturn Brown versus the Board of Education. Just to re- make sure I'm remembering this correctly, Brown versus Board was uh, separate but equal, was unconstitutional, right? Yep. Yep. Okay. That's what I thought. Just want to make sure. But yeah, and then it all became, oh, well, shit, now it's Roe v. Wade, right? We're, yep. We've lost that one. So what's the next fight that we can take up that's going to get people up in arms? And yep. yeah, I mean. And we, people have carried that, that, that losing mantle. And it's like the hypocrisy in that argument is so stunning to me yeah it's like i can probably tell you a lot of wealthy people i know that i know that have gotten abortions i can tell you a lot of people i know that has left their town to go get an abortion and it's like is that really the argument or is the argument okay let's figure out a way seriously right because the 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 abortion problem doesn't really affect the middle class and above no. It affects the lower class. Yes. It doesn't. Af- I mean, literally, the argument for people that are middle class, it's nil. It's like, <laughs> why are we even talking about it, right? Well, let's not even. Well, that's not even taking into account the fact that there pretty much is no middle class anymore. <laughs> <But> okay. <yeah. laughs> Agreed. Even those yeah. of us that may be left in the middle class are still sitting there going, not really an issue for me. Um, you know, and I mean, yeah, upper, upper class. No, I'm sorry. You will have that doctor airlifted into your mansion and have him cut that baby out immediately. Like you don't give a fuck. I mean, how many elected politicians, right. Who have been vehemently opposed to abortion bills, have their mistresses and girlfriends and whoever it is that accidentally got pregnant, go off and get an abortion in another state outside of their own because they're not legal in the freaking state where they are, or they're not able to get one or because they're trying to hide it. So again, the argument's kind of stupid and it's like, eh, I, I don't, it's, it's not a, it's not a Christian fight. If I'm being honest, it's like, and you guys are, you're, you, that's not the hill you want to die on. It's just not, it's like, go pick another battle. Um, and they keep, they, they took the okie doke on that one. I mean, and uh, you know, to me, like what makes so much more sense is let's make abortion safe, right? Let's make it safe for mothers. Let's, let's provide every opportunity we can to make this as safe as possible, provide the education necessary, right? Like, I'm not saying that everybody that walks in and goes, I want an abortion should be like, all right, get up on the table. Here we go. You know, like, you know what, you know what circumvents abortion though? Think about it. If the, if the middle class and up have less abortions, what does that tell you? It's an economic decision. Right. So if you figure out a way to make the economy more progressive and fair for more people, you probably have less abortions. It's not even the right argument to have. It's like, okay, so what causes abortions? Like, let's look at the people. Let's, let's, you know, let's break that down and figure out who's actually having abortions. And we all know, and I think the uh, Department of Health and Human Services published something uh, five years ago. It was an economic problem. It wasn't a, it wasn't anything more than that. It was just economics. So more poor people have abortions than people with, the means to take care of a child. Yep. So which should you fix? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get rid of abortions. That fixes it. That's how I we do it. it right? Yep. Because, I so, mean, it's, it's like making drugs illegal, right? You can make yeah. drugs illegal all you want, but people are still going to go do it ultimately. <laughs> right. And so the, I, you know, and that is not, I am not necessarily of the mind that like everything should just be legal and everybody should be able to do whatever they want, but figure out a way to, to, you know, make this a safe environment for people, you know, provide them with the resources that they need. Stop treating drug addicts as 
you know, violent offenders, right? These are people that need help and putting them in a prison where they're going to learn how to make drugs in, in prison and probably get addicted to other drugs in prison is not ultimately the right solution there. Like it's yeah. The the whole criminal justice system in the United States is built for profit. It's another area where capitalism simply doesn't make sense for it to exist within the prison system. The fact that we have for-profit prisons, the fact that like even federal and state prisons that aren't run for profit are essentially only work when they are full. It's, it's only economically like efficient when they are completely full and thanks bill. Well, and then on top of that, I mean, how ridiculous is it that you have these massive coronavirus spikes inside of prisons, which means the only way for it to get in is basically either new prisoners that are coming in or most likely the freaking staff that aren't doing their jobs. So now you've got these people who are stuck in a place where they can't get away from a virus that is ultimately, you know, likely to kill them. (laughs) And that's not cruel and unusual punishment in the United States. But hey, we're gonna we're gonna execute a bunch of people on the federal level because they killed kids. Doesn't that well, make you feel better, America? Yeah. Um, I'm yeah. sorry. I know. Like I'm. That that is. I mean, it's a sickness. The the things that we prioritize in this country sometimes are they're just a they're they're just a sickness. I um. And, yeah, and I think sometimes yeah. it's the symptom, right? It's not even necessarily, it's not the virus. It is It is a symptom of what we have created and what we've allowed to fester in our country here. And I don't know a better word for it because that's, it's, it's it literally an infection that has spread at this point. Like it's, it's a freaking gangrenous wound and we need to sever the limb. Like, I'm sorry, Florida, but you're gone. <laughs> I, I've been advocating to get rid of Florida for years. Florida and California... Yeah, there are there are parts of the country we really don't need. Yeah, we can get California back to Mexico yep. and just, Florida. Just, just let Cuba take it. Yeah, we'll just give it to Cuba. Yeah. Um, I was reading this thing about um, what is it? Cisco? They had a uh, thong song. Yeah, <laughs> 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 they, they had a a diversity forum. Which, gosh. We we need to probably dedicate a whole episode to the to diversity forums <laughs> or to the thong song <laughs> <laughs> diversity forums. I, I I probably have like five minutes on the thong song. Great, one of the greatest songs ever written. Yeah, one of the best summer anthems for sure. Yeah, and yeah, I remember was- very specifically uh, it was the summer of two thousand one, um, and. I was riding around in my mom's 94 Z28 Camaro with the T-tops off, uh, blasting that song as loud as the radio would go (laughs) (laughs) through Greensboro, North Carolina. Yeah, that's that's a good time right there. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. So Cisco had a diversity forum. And lo and behold, all the racist people came out to play. What? Yo, technology companies. Oh, well, companies in general, man. Like, yeah, I hear, I hear what you're saying, but let's be real. There is a. I was thinking about this today before we 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 started talking today, and I'm thinking to myself. So we live in a capitalist society, or semi-capitalist society, where we have 
conceded to private companies to take leadership roles in our social policy. Yep. But yet our government is hands off. So is the government a tool of corporations or is it really a tool of the people? Well, I mean, I think, you know, looking, looking back at the political history of the United States, um, to some degree, I think, you know, the conservative party, I won't even say Republicans and Democrats anymore, because it really, it doesn't boil down to that. It boils down to conservatives versus liberals in, in a much more clear sense, I think. Um, I think conservatives have always kind of at least seemed like they were on the side of business, right? That capitalism was kind of the, the key. And as long as we let business dictate and the market dictate what was best, we'd all be, we'd all get the best ultimately. Um, whether that was through healthcare or automotives or medical, you know, like it didn't, it didn't really matter. Ultimately capitalism was the cure for everything that ailed us. And I think you've seen, right? Like with liberals, it's much more a push for a mix of capitalism and socialism with heavy regulation on the capitalist markets to make sure that things don't get out of flux, but at the same time, often stifling growth, right. And creativity and innovation within those markets, um, and then, you know, the, the, a push for large social programs that help to support and provide a security net, um, for the rest of, for society, right. In general. So that essentially the hope is you don't let everything fall off the cliff or part of the country fall off the cliff and then have the rest of everybody trying to pick them back up. And I just feel like, you know, at some point, right the liberal party stopped caring so much about the minority groups and the people that hadn't had as much of a voice and, and kind of being their champion, not on face value because <laughs> they still prop themselves up as that, but behind the scenes, um, you know, I think in the probably late in the eighties, early nineties, mm-hmm. uh, as they lost to Reagan and Bush and all of that, they started going, well, we need money. And where are we going to get money from, from corporations? And so essentially what I think we've developed is two groups of corporations in our country. We have a conservative group of corporations. We have a liberal group of corporations. <laughs> and those guys are funding all of the political activity at the federal level, more or less, which then trickles down, <laughs> trickle down in economics, to the federal or to the state and local levels, ultimately, through those parties that are set up at the, at the national level. And... So I, I just think it's really interesting because I think we, we now find ourselves in a position where we don't have a voice for the people. We have a voice for the two groups of corporations that have kind of moved to the extremes, more or less. And you have almost all of the people that are sitting in the middle going, well, that's not anything that I want. I want <laughs> this here in the middle where all of us are. This is what we want. And it's like you essentially have the corporation saying tough shit. You can't have that because this is who we're putting on this side and this is who we're putting on this side because ultimately it's not about everybody winning. It's about us winning. If we're not winning, we're losing because if you ain't first, you're last. So thank so you, America, a.k.a. Ricky Bobby. <laughs> so what you're, what you're saying is we've, we've adopted a neoliberalism and I don't know if it's – I don't know if conservative is the right term for the other party yeah. because – I'm not really sure what they're trying to conserve. Well, and that's very fair. You know, I think um, it's so much less about being conservative in terms of your politics and so much more about 
I, I just, I feel like, I mean, both parties, don't get me wrong, are so heavily represented by the wealthy and elite, right? Like, right. but there, it's, it is also amazing to me, though, that there is like this just inherent perception in this country that all the money is on the Republican side, you know, and that, that it's these poor Democrats that have been fighting and scrapping and, you know, clawing their way, you know, it's, it's a miracle that they got Barack Obama elected president in, you know, 2008. And to some degree, yeah, it freaking was like, nobody really saw that coming, but, um, I just, I don't know, man. I, it's, I don't think that either party represents much of the people at all anymore. And it's one of the reasons that on one of our previous podcast episodes, you know, I, I would love to see anything else like anybody <laughs> <laughs> who who is just gonna go? No, I'm not like, and it's not Kanye. That's not what I'm talking about. But okay. you know, like somebody reasonable who actually is in the middle somewhere and says, "Look, everybody ultimately, like you said, right? Everybody ultimately wants the same thing. It's just figuring out how we come to an agreement on how we get there. That's right. where we're so lost. It's not right. Like affordable health care." That shouldn't be a thing that people are like, no, healthcare should never be affordable. If you aren't rich, you should die. I'm sorry. Are you a fucking monster? Because that's literally where you are at to some degree if you're on that side of the argument, right? Like, it, and I'm not saying universal free healthcare either. I'm saying it should be affordable. People, when they get sick, should not be afraid to go to the doctor or if they have an emergency should not wait to go to the ER because they can't afford an ambulance ride or a 30 minute ER visit from a, from a nurse, not even from a doctor, but from a nurse. And I am not trying to disparage nurses, but I'm just saying that I know that doctors get paid more than nurses. Like they just cost more ultimately. So if I'm not getting seen by a doctor, should I get charged the same amount? <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> Sorry, That's that went fair. a weird way all of a sudden. <laughs> but my point is ultimately that, we all want the same thing. It's just that we've allowed these two parties to push things to the extreme where they make us choose between healthcare that's affordable or, or, or not even healthcare that's free for everybody or no healthcare at all. Right? Like that's where I feel like we're essentially at where it's like you either, everybody has it or nobody has it. <laughs> I mean, that's a good summation of like, probably of what I'm saying. It's like, I, I think that we no longer have a well your illustration of the problem is is in my opinion uh oh can you hear me oh yeah uh, sorry oh, I was video. just sitting still uh, yeah, I was just video. waiting for the is your in your opinion I'm like oh this is gonna be good <laughs> my, my is he gonna say I'm right once uh, my video froze so I'm gonna keep going oh you're good go ahead uh, your summation in my opinion, is actually pretty brilliant. Um, and you are right. And I, and I think that we've we've moved to this area that doesn't make sense. And there's no... Um, I, I don't know what the answer... I don't have an answer, but I definitely can see that what we're doing is a representation of, to your, to your point, of two groups of corporations dictating what we do. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of concerning. I, I don't, and I don't have a solve for it. I, I just think that, you know, if we're taking the lead of corporations like Walmart, uh, Walgreens, CVS, Publix, Kroger, and like eight other companies had to mandate mask rules for their 
for their locations. Now, right. part of me says there's nothing wrong with that because they are private properties that yep. are accessible to the public. Uh, the part that does concern me is that without something else from a from a legal standpoint, from the state governments or even the federal government, because yep. people go across you know state borders all the time, we have people getting shot because they bring up wearing a mask. <laughs> so it's like we, we kind of want to, you know, that's great that the corporations are taking the lead, but the state should also chime in and say, yeah, and we support this yeah. because we're, we're going to speak for the benefit of all the citizens of a, of a, of a community, yeah. not just whatever. And we're just going to, you know, let the, um, let the, the, the companies make, you know, take that, make that decision. So, you know, I, I'm just, I'm pondering that. And I, you're right. Kanye West is not the answer. And maybe he matures and learns a lot in the next four years. And maybe he becomes a viable candidate. So I don't want to say that. Yeah. <laughs> I just, it's just funny because I feel like that's the exact same shit that people said about Donald Trump four years ago. Where it's like, well, maybe he gets elected and then he actually learns how to be a good president. And we're going to want to reelect him four years later. And it's like, uh, nope. Nope. That nope. didn't happen. Hard pass. Yeah. Uh, hard pass from that crazy. <laughs> I just... I, you know, ever since I saw Kanye at, I think it was the UNCW homecoming, uh, in Wilmington, 2003, 2002, somewhere in there. And he literally used the performance as a rehearsal. He wow. would stop and restart songs. He stopped a song to tell the spotlight and camera guy what to do. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. If I'm not rapping, you should be focused on him. But if I'm rapping, you better be focused on me. All right, let's pick it back up. And I'm like, really? Like, we all paid money to be here. Like, no offense, but... And then he literally had a one-hour segment of his show where he played, like, 10 or 15-second clips from hit songs that he produced and went, yeah, I did that. <laughs> not even songs that he, like, rapped on or had any other element then. He produced it. But, yep, I did that. Yeah, that was me. Mm -hmm. Y'all remember this one? Mm -hmm. Your generation gassed him up, though. Oh, trust me. I know. I freaking, I bought uh, late registration. Like, I mean, Kanye was Kanye. Like, he was this, he, he was billed as the next lyrical genius, you know, that he was writing rhymes that nobody had ever written before, that he had this amazing way. And the fact that he was able to write a freaking album where he rapped through a, you know, jaw wired shut and all this stuff, like, was supposedly going to make him this, and and for a while he kind of was and then it's like we all got to know Kanye and you know it's like it's like that cute girl at the bar right you see her sitting there and you're like she looks nice yeah and you're like you buy her a drink and you start talking and you're like yeah she's pretty cute but then she opens her mouth and she starts saying some really stupid crazy ass shit <laughs> like i'm going to run for president and you go hold on babe <laughs> i just bought you a drink i don't need to hear about you running for president <laughs> Andre has left the call. What happened? Hopefully he ended accidentally. Let me see if I can get him back here. Oh, that's not the button that'll do that.
Well, ladies and gentlemen, um, it appears that we may have lost Andre uh, for a moment there, at least. I don't know. We've got some pretty crazy weather that's rolling through right now, so he may have simply lost power over there. Um, but I tried calling him back, and he hasn't responded yet. So I'm going to see if I can text him. Um, I don't really know why I'm narrating all of this, seeing as how I can always just edit this out later. Uh, but I thought just for everybody else's uh, enjoyment, I'd go ahead and leave this section in so you can hear the sultry sounds of Chris Smith by himself if he were an NPR radio host. Next up, we have Andre Powell and Chris Smith with the Chris and Andre show. But yeah, I'm going to go ahead and text him. Oh, he's texting me. <sighs> well, the good news is at least I know exactly what portion of this episode is going to be our trailer. <clears throat> yep. So he lost power. He is rebooting his computer and uh, will hopefully be rejoining us here shortly. Ladies and gentlemen, that was some weird internet stuff going on right there. Don't worry about it. I entertained them for the entire time that you were gone. <laughs> okay. Well, um, with that, I live in a town where if I'm guaranteed anything with bad weather, the power will go out. See, and it's funny because I live in the exact opposite part of my town where I am fortunate that despite some of the worst weather that we have rolled through here, I almost never lose power, um, which is also interesting because that wasn't the way early on when I first lived here, like the first few years, it seemed like, you know, a rainstorm would roll through and we'd lose power for a few hours. Um, but I don't know if they just like reinforced everything or I'm really close right. to the, um, like town cam uh, town hall campus and all that stuff. And there's police department and fire station and all that stuff over there. So maybe I'm on the same electrical grid and it's just like really robust and they've got a whole bunch of backups and shit. I don't know, but you can hear yeah. the transformers blow from my house and I'll see the power like flicker, but then it's usually stays on. It's weird. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's really fortunate to be. Here. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> We've had another, we've had another uh, lengthy, meaty episode, and I'm glad everybody, uh, you know, tuned in to join us. Um, we really sunk our teeth into this one. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're such an idiot. <laughs> you're such an idiot. <laughs> but we're glad that you joined us, and uh, you know, we're glad to do episode 26. It's uh, another one in the books, and uh, hopefully, we're another one keep that eventually up. gets edited and published. I wasn't going to bring it up. I but... know you weren't. That's why I did. Because yeah. yeah. <laughs> then I'm, I go on record for being mean. But you're not being mean, though. Like you're asking me to do my job. You're no different yeah, than the rest of us red-blooded Americans that are asking the government to do their freaking jobs. And yeah. Much do like your government, doing. I'm just kind of sitting here going, "Nah, <laughs> I'm good." <laughs> well, I'll get over that. <laughs> <laughs> no, it. Uh, 
you know, I think we, we spoke briefly at the beginning of this episode. It has been a crazy week uh, on a national level, but also just on a personal level. Not that I'm using that as an excuse because there is no excuse for not getting these episodes done. But um, hopefully I've got enough of this behind me that I can move on and make some progress on that stuff this week. Because I know now I'll have three episodes once again left to uh, complete so. circle. Yep. <laughs> All right. Well, we're glad that you join us as always and we appreciate you listening listening to us and you can always check us out on chris and andre show.com god he's gotten so good at that i know all right i, I don't even put the in front of the not yard. even you know what i did realize the other day though i totally created our email address with a the in front of it didn't i yeah i, cool. I didn't judge right, i didn't I'll make, judge you. i'll make a new one <laughs> but we're glad you join us at chris and andre show you know Man, now you got me doing stupid stuff. So always check us out on chrisandandreshow.com. Uh, you can subscribe to us on Pandora, uh, Google Music, Spotify, Apple Music. They call that iTunes. Sa- iTunes. <laughs> yeah, iTunes. Actually, not even. I think like iTunes, is unless you're on your computer, it's, it's the actual Apple podcast. Okay. But yeah, I mean, literally, if you, if you are trying to find the Chris and Andre show somewhere, and you can't find it. You're not trying. Well, no, because I just said you were trying. Oh. But let us know. Like, if there's somewhere that somehow we have overlooked that we are not syndicating our podcast. Or, um, you know, I, I don't know. Maybe we need to join that. Uh, what was the, the right-wing Twitter platform? Oh, Parler? Parler, uh, yeah. We're going to be on Parler next. Um, we're no, actually going to get off all of the liberal social media channels and go voice our uh freedom of speech over at parlor <laughs> until we get banned no i'm not actually going to join that because i don't want to provide any sense of legitimacy to that yeah we're sense, we're not going to do that um anyways, <laughs> i i am so good at derailing you trying to end an episode it's not even funny <laughs> it's okay it, well it's not but i'm gonna let it slide um we we're glad that you joined us and we'll be back next week and uh Once again, as always, I'm Andre. And I am Chris. God. (laughs) I kept trying to think. I got to change it up a little bit. We'll talk to you soon. You know, most people don't know Chuck Berry had an older brother. That's right, he was the Elderberry. <laughs>